what gave you the um, the value system to be able to say, not only do I want to help people, but I want to help people with in with this um, uh, in this stage of their life. Okay, um, as I was growing up, as I said, my mom was a single parent, and um, at the church that she was a member of, she became the go-to church member for taking care of the elderly mm. or those that were shut in with sickness or whatever. So when she would go out to these homes and she would cook, she would clean, she would bathe, she would dress, you know, and she would have us with her watching her do this. And she never complained and it became what she what she did you know she was she's known for that and I watched that growing up and you know you never really realize what is impacting you long term when you're growing up but that had an impact on me um and it kind of drew me to those that are in need um or that I always say I, I really love getting down and helping and engaging individuals yeah that's amazing Welcome to the America's Podcast, where we're pursuing what it means to become a next level neighbor, creating a place we enjoy with the people we love today. I am glad to, to let you know that we are joined uh, by uh, Angela Holt. Angela is the CEO of Middle Flint uh, Health and Wellness. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm extremely excited about this. That's great. So tell us a little bit before we get into your life, uh, what is Middle Flint Health and Wellness? And uh, yeah, what, what are some things that you do? What What is your uh, role there? Okay. Um, Middle Flint Health and Wellness is a community service board. We're one of about 22 throughout the state. Um, a community service board, they were established back in the 70s, um, somewhere around that time at the end of, at the closure of some of the regional state hospitals. Wow. And it was about um, shifting the focus of individuals with mental health and addictive disease issues from being in an institutional setting mm -hmm. into a community-based setting, and hence the name community service boards. So yeah. all of us in throughout the state are governed by board members that are selected by the different county commissions. Mm -hmm. um, for Middle Flint Health and Wellness, we have 11 counties um, that are represented. And um, each county has board members that sit on our board that help us make decisions um, on how to best serve the communities that we're part of. That is amazing. Uh, mental health is obviously uh, uh, needed. It is a it's 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 a huge it's it's a growing issue as mm -hmm. well, uh, especially here in the states. And so, thank you so much for your care, for your concern, for the strategies that you guys are putting together. It means so much to us. I know in Americas, uh, it's it's important. Sumter County is important to us. And so, uh, so let's talk a little bit about that because you're in the service of people, loving people, mm -hmm. serving people, especially at very difficult times. Times, whether that's a family member or it's a family issue. Um, and so it takes a very unique person to be able to step into that role. So tell us a little bit about you, Angela. Uh, I, saw, I saw on your form, you're born and raised in Americas, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to be born in Americas. Uh, what, what was your family dynamics? Uh, tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, just growing up in Americas. Um, as you said, I grew up here. I um, graduated from America's High School. Um, 
So this community is very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. The majority of my family live here. I was raised by a single mom. Okay. Um, and we um, grew up here, what's called the South Side of America's Um we were Habitat Home recipients mm-hmm. many, many years ago. I think I was a teenager at the time. Um, just small town living. Yeah. Um, well, you know everyone. You know, you know either from church or school or just from the neighborhood. Um, and you care yeah. about what happens with each and every family that you know. Um, because of who they are to you, but also because there's a direct impact. Mm. With you yourself, when things impact those around you, so you, you have to care about that. Yeah, that's amazing. So okay, so you're 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 growing up in Americus, a single mom. Uh, it, was she from the area as well? Was she yes. born and raised in America? She was born in Florida, but spent okay. most of her life here in Americus, Georgia. Okay, all right. Do you have siblings? Yes, I do. I have two brothers. Okay, two brothers. Are you the oldest? I am the oldest. Okay, all right. So you were first on the scene, yes. uh, taking care, uh, being with your mom. Um, how? What? What is the age difference? So my middle brother and I have a five-year age gap. Okay. Um, my youngest brother and I have an eighteen-year. Wow. Age okay. Gap. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, so you're, you're you're growing up in America. So what kind of child were you? Were you an energetic child? Were you kind of shy? Were you out and about? Um, were you playing sports? What were you an um, inside kid, outside kid? What were you doing? I was a bookworm, you know, okay. for the most part. I loved reading. I lost myself a lot of the time in reading. But um, my what mom, particular books or genres were you reading? The first book comes to my mind is Gone with the Wind. Okay, that yeah. I remember um, really being sucked in by that book and. I read it several times. Um, but my mom was um, very church-oriented. Okay. So back in those days, we probably spent four to five days a week mm-hmm. in church. <laughs> you know, um, So you grew up in church. You knew everybody from church. Everything about your life was about church. Mm-hmm. Um, so very church-oriented. Wow. Um, so not a lot of outside of that mm-hmm. um, okay. when I was growing up. What church were you attending at that time? So um, as a kid, I attended America's Pentecostal Church of America's. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So all right. So you were you were in church. You were you were working with that. Mm-hmm. You were also bookworm. Mm-hmm. My my kids love books. My <laughs> wife loves books. Um, you can definitely talk with her uh, about <laughs> Gone with the Wind. I mean, it's just a great great book. Um, what were your what were your relationships like? Were you engaging with some of your friends or what 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 kind of personality were you? Um I enjoyed my friends at school. We I didn't have much of a um life with friends outside of school or church. Um so it was either one of those different arenas mm-hmm. in which I encountered those that were my friends. Um so were you the kid that was getting in trouble or you were the kid that was trying to make sure that other people weren't getting in trouble? Or? I wouldn't say I was getting into trouble <laughs> per se, but uh-huh. like I said, I, I talked a lot. Okay. So I always had something to say. I had an opinion about everything that was going on around me. Yeah. And I was, um, I feel confident in saying I was smart and mm-hmm. I knew it. So um, that also encouraged me to talk a lot. Yeah. Because yeah, I had yeah. opinions about everything. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what was it? What was inspiring you at that time? I mean, you're growing up. Let's say 15, 16 years old. Did you have kind of um, kind of a, a view of what your career was going to be, or what you liked, or uh, were were you into sports at that time? 
what was what was that like for you growing up? I really didn't have. I really was kind of aimless. That didn't have a whole lot of direction on what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to travel. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to see something other than Americas. I think every kid in Americas, as they grow up, they're going to get as far away from Americas as possible. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been living here now for about 15 years, though. That's so, right. <laughs> but I wanted to um, see the world. I wanted yeah. to meet different people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to speak different languages. Yeah. So um, a lot of that had to do with the book world that I stayed yeah. in, you know, a lot of reading. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up in a rural place... Uh, was part of it feeling like you were kind of made for something bigger, like uh, like I want to be a city person? Or did you actually like the rural life, but you also wanted just to experience some different things? I think I liked the rural life. Um, well, I didn't have any notion that was anything other than this. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to see mm-hmm. something else and experience something else. I kind of wanted to see it, then come back home and tell people about it. You know, yeah. I, I wanted yeah. to go and see and do, but come back home. Okay. All right. So... You said being a teenager, uh, you were a re- recipient for Habitat for ha- Humanity Housing. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, that was a game changer um, in my thinking as far as the power of a person mm-hmm. and what they can do. Um, you know, once once you get approved for a Habitat house, there's this thing called sweat equity mm. that the recipients have to commit to so many hours of actual hands-on volunteer work. Um, it is life-changing mm. to actually be a part of the building process, not only in your own home, yeah. but in homes of people and families in your neighborhood that you went to school with, that you you know knew from the grocery store, from church. Um, in that time, I was 16, and so that meant I was old enough to actually work mm-hmm. an eight-to-five job um, at the Habitat International Building. And um, it was my first time on a job. I reported at 8 o'clock. I worked to 5. Um, but I got to meet so many different people wow. from all over, not just the United States, from all over the world with a like-mindedness. They yeah. had a commitment to people. They had a commitment to Christian love, and that's all they wanted to share. And if it meant getting dirty, doing some hard work, mm. sweating a little bit, as long as they were connecting mm-hmm. and showing love, they were in in it. You know, And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like an amazing experience, mm-hmm. community, but also just this organization coming around you, yes. uh, supporting you, encouraging you with not just, like you said, not just the physical work, but also the, just the community aspect of it, the spiritual aspect of mm-hmm. it, reinforcing the things that you probably grew up hearing in scripture mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, this is mm-hmm. what the church should look like. They're engaging in these things. So that's an amazing, um, that's an amazing story. So you said it affected you. How did it affect you kind of stepping, the house is done, you're mm-hmm. in the house, you're you know, 16 years old, still in high school. What, like, what were some things that you began to see in yourself? Um, what it kind of initially brought on to my thinking is I could do anything. Mm. I could go anywhere. Um, and I had never had that notion before, that if I commit to something— um, 
with the help of those around me, I could accomplish whatever I wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And so could anyone with help from others. That as a once you get a community mindset, mm-hmm. there's no stopping what you could do. And I wanted to share that feeling. Um, it was a freeing mm-hmm. feeling to finally um, get the notion that if I just step out there and try it, mm-hmm. you know, I could accomplish it and I could help others accomplish things that they wanted to accomplish. Yeah, that's huge. We talk a lot about neighboring here. And one of the things that to to be a a good neighbor, a next level neighbor, you have to risk things. You have to risk it, which means that there's going to be some vulnerability there. And anytime you try something for the first time, failure is a part of the process. Sometimes we look at it and we say, well, failure means, you know, that, um, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. But Uh honestly, failure is a part of the process. Absolutely. And so we want to make sure that we just always encourage people, whether it's meeting a a person for the first time or trying something, failure is a part of that process. Mm -hmm. And so thank you so much for taking risks uh, in relationships and even in just these moves. Mm -hmm. Um, So, okay, so now you're, you're, you're in high school, you're working through that, this, this, uh, this life event has kind of helped you and molded you and shaped you. Where are you going from there? Okay. So I really um, held on to the dream to travel and see the world and see different things. And I met an Air Force recruiter in high school who kind of showed me, this is how you can make that happen. This is how you can do that. So I joined the Air Force. Wow. Thank Um, you so much for your service. Yeah, You're welcome. Um, One of the things you said a little bit ago about um, how important failure is Mm. in the life process, and one of the things that you learn when you live a little bit is that without failing, Mm -hmm. you actually can never reach success. Yeah. Without failing, because you got to try. You got to try something so that you can weed out what not to do, what doesn't work, so that you can be successful. That's right. Yeah. That's that's very important. And it we... Yeah, our natural re- response is, oh, this must not be something I'm good That's at. That's right. And mm-hmm. nobody's good at something their first time. No, no one's right. an expert. That's Any right. of the people that we see in sports or in academics, um, they just didn't wake up one day. Now, they may be really intelligent or mm-hmm. have the giftings, mm-hmm. but they still had to get out there and work on it and try and be competitive. And so, uh, okay, so. The Air Force. What what mm-hmm. were some things? Did you see yourself staying in the Air Force, or did you see yourself kind of transitioning and, and coming back and sharing some of those mm-hmm. experiences? And, and where and where did you go? Um, you okay. mentioned like different languages and different cultures. Like, what were you able to experience? What were some of the the highlights okay. of that? Um, my initial plan was to probably do twenty years in the Air Force. Um, during my time in the Air Force, I lived in uh, my first base was Minot, North Dakota. I went from being a Georgia girl to being in more, probably one of the coldest places in the United <laughs> States of America. Um, I spent time in Germany, Italy, Turkey. Um, I spent time in Kuwait. Um, just traveled all over, made really, really good friends, met all kinds of people, experienced many different cultures. Um, it w- it's, not, it's an experience I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, how beneficial do you think it is for someone who 
um, maybe has just, you know, been in a rural area or mm-hmm. just in one place for a really long time, how mm-hmm. important is it for people to step outside of that to be able to experience some of the things that you've experienced? I think it's extremely important. Um, one of the things that that kind of exposure allows you to see is to really get a well-rounded sense of people. Mm. Um, that no matter where you go in the world or how different cultures are, people are the same. Mm-hmm. Regardless of skin color or their religious background, there's something that ties us all together mm-hmm. um, that help us to connect. People are always the same. And I feel that when you're moving towards being a next level neighbor, mm-hmm. it helps having some exposure to different types of people. Yeah. Um, it helps with the receivability of mm-hmm. people that are different than you. Yeah. Um, it yeah, really yeah. does help. Absolutely. And I would just add to that, that it, it breeds humility because when you're not in your comfort zone in yes. your spaces yes. with your people, you, you become very vulnerable mm-hmm. and that's a very tough spot to be and no one Mm -hmm. wants to be in uncomfortable spaces but that's actually where we can really really grow yes and we can we can we can deal with our own personal bias and things like Mm -hmm. that because we have to process it in a whole new light and so i think vulnerability is important i think again just we're talking about taking risks but also we're just engaging in new relationships outside of our comfort zones um do you have anything to add to that into that piece um, I think that, as you were saying, when you're in different cultures, um, everyone should at least once or twice have the experience of, because you're in a different area, you are more so the minority than you're used to, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. there's not a whole lot of people there just like you. Mm-hmm. That's a different kind of experience, and it does get you to see things from a different side yeah. of the lens yeah. when you are experiencing that. Um, and doesn't necessarily mean that it's a negative experience. Yeah, that's right. There's that's a right. learning that can happen in that. Yep. No, that's good. I heard uh, there's a quote, I can't remember who said it, but um, we're talking about humility as well. Humility is not thinking less about yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. Yes. That's really That's a good. very powerful statement. Yes. And when you're in these areas, like I remember I've gone to Jamaica and I've been to Peru. Um, I've been to Israel, uh, several different places. And there is, there is a position where, um, man, you're so dependent upon the people yes. around you. Absolutely. And, and like you said, you know, you don't know if someone's trying to get up on you or not. You don't, you don't know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. You don't know, mm-hmm. especially if you don't know the language, then you're just mm-hmm. really at a disadvantage. And so putting yourself there allows you to come back into your hometown mm-hmm. and recognize the people that are trying to engage as much as possible. Yeah. But just kind of don't know the rules, let's mm-hmm. just say, or don't yeah. know how the culture functions, mm-hmm. um, and trying to protect them and, and making sure that that um, that they're getting to their their next place as yes. well. Yes. So okay, so you've got you've got some background now with the Air Force, um, and where do you where do you go from there? So um, after spending a few years um, in the Air Force, my I was married at the time. So and we had a son. So I was in the process of a divorce. Okay. Um, so that first marriage was ending. I had a small child, and I was worried about being able to take care of him, mm-hmm. be in the military, go on special temporary duties, and be successful in that. 
And at that time, I lived on the other side of the country in California. Okay, um, wow. So, yeah. So I made the decision, my son was very young, to move back. It was a big decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no definite plans mm-hmm. of how it was going to work out or what I was going to do for a living, how I was going to take care of me and my me and my son. Um, but I knew if I could get closer to family... Yeah. Um, and that there was something else. This this wasn't it. It didn't feel like the end of it. If there was something else to do. Um, I moved back to Georgia. We stayed here in Americas. I wor- worked at Sumter Regional Hospital at the time for a little bit. And I found this ad for a job okay. at Middle Flint Behavioral Healthcare. I've never heard of it at the time. That was the name of the organization. Um I, it stirred um, old feelings of wanting to be in the mental health field mm-hmm. when I was in the Air Force, and that wasn't allowed for me to transfer over from the career field that I was in. Um, so I just kind of, last day of the application, closing day, I just did a quick application mm-hmm. and took it in. Yeah. It is amazing when God has a plan for you. Mm-hmm. Whether you realize what the plan is or not, but things just seem to, you know, fall into place in a way that you know there's no doubt that mm-hmm. there's someone else orchestrating what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that was my that was my time at Middle Flint. Yeah. And how I just felt a connection immediately to the place. I was very, very nervous. Um, yeah. I went into that field, into that job with the same preconceived notions that everybody else in the world. I was quite afraid mm-hmm. of the type of individuals that I may encounter. I had this notion that um, mental health issues equated to something negative. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, I was raised that way. So to be honest, it was in me. That's what I yeah. thought. That's what I believed. Um, and I got to know some individuals and I established relationships and watch them walk through their recovery processes, mm-hmm. watch them um, share the most difficult stories of their lives with us. You know, um, one of the things that I tell staff when we're in the process of onboarding, I always talk about when you're encountering someone that's coming, they've Mm -hmm. done whatever, they've experienced whatever negativity, and there's gotten them to a place where they realize, I need help. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah, That's a really big deal. And when they finally come into that clinic and they gathered all the strength they can get together to say those words, Mm -hmm. you're encountering them at sometimes the worst moments Mm -hmm. of their lives. You know, and it's very important to recognize that and kind of step down there with them Mm -hmm. so that it'll be an easier story to share. I'm an easier walk to walk if you can walk it along with them. And um, that's one of the things I learned that was and that's when I realized this was something I was meant to do. Yeah. This was the place that everything led me to that place. Every good thing, every bad thing mm-hmm. led me to this role here. Yeah. That I mean, that's it, because when we talk about, you know, caring and care system, um, you know, sometimes it, there's, a, there's a general practice like, yeah, we mm-hmm. caring for people, people coming in and coming mm-hmm. out. But then, like you said, I mean... The mental health is a kind of a, a subset to that mm-hmm. and and the kind of person that it takes to just step even out from the general practice mm-hmm. of 
you know, um, of the health system into something so specific. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about it on the phone. You've already referenced a few, but I mean, what what gave you the um, the value system to be able to say, not only do I want to help people, but I want to help people with in with this um, uh, in this stage of their life. Okay, um, as I was growing up, as I said, my mom was a single parent, mm-hmm. and um, at the church that she was a member of, she became the go-to church member for taking care of the elderly mm-hmm. or those that were shut in with sickness or whatever. So when she would go out to these homes and she would cook, she would clean, she would bathe, she would dress, you know, and she would have us with her watching her do this and she never complained and it became what she what she did you know she Mm -hmm. was she's known for that and I watched that growing up and you know you never really realize what is impacting you long term Mm -hmm. when you're growing up but that had an impact on me um and it kind of drew me to those that are in need um or that I always say I, I really love getting down and helping and yeah. engaging individuals. Yeah, that's amazing. So how did the uh, how did the Air Force and working in those environments help prepare you for for the the jobs at Mental Flint as you mm-hmm. moved up in the process? I'm sure. Well, um, being in the Air Force did give me a lot of experience um, with organization and leadership. Um, one of the requirements of um, becoming a non-commissioned officer is actually attending leadership school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there are not a lot of career fields that actually give you formal training mm-hmm. in leadership, and the Air Force did. Um so I learned to work with all kinds of people. Um, one of the things about being in the military, you never know who you're going to be stationed with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and I lived in all different types of um, cultures. So I just got accustomed to working with and being able to engage and connect with whoever it was yeah. on whatever the level was. Yeah, that's amazing. So how long have you been working with uh, Middle Flint then? So this is my 21st year Okay, at the organization. That's okay. right. It's amazing. I, I would assume that one of the things that um, most people deal with, many people deal with, especially those, again, as they're trying to to deal with a lot of the the issues that are coming, you know, and as things grow, we talked a little bit about um, reality that mental health issues are growing in this country. That's right. And so, one of the things that I think that many people experience is isolation or loneliness. Mm-hmm. because they don't know how to process it and they're just not fitting the mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are, what are some, what are some um, indicators, some markers uh, for maybe an individual or maybe some others that, that, um, that can benefit from what you guys do here? Well, um, one of the things that I like to talk about um, and warn against is this mindset um, in the, in the country right now where the, it seems that mental illness or mental health issues is being paired with criminal mm-hmm. mindset. That's good. Or crimes. Yeah. Um, and those two are not linked. Those two are so far apart. Dealing with some sort of mental health issue does not automatically jump you into a criminal mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are plenty of criminals mm-hmm. that have no mental health issues at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they're making a conscious decision to do something that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to separate that, number one, and also 
um, once you do that, then you can begin to identify early the need for help. Mm-hmm. The need to talk with someone, and that's a, I think that's a bigger push in the normalization of yeah. the conversation about mental health issues. the The more normal it becomes, then the earlier you can get interventions yeah. in place when yeah. you're comfortable talking about it early on. That's good. That's good. You had mentioned that one of the reasons why uh, Middle Flint started was because uh, of the state's response of just kind of disengaging, I would Mm -hmm. say, maybe a big word. I think nationally that happened. Like Mm -hmm. it was just like, at some point it was just like, hey, we're not doing this anymore. That's right. And so a lot of people were looking and dispersed into just everyday living now. Mm -hmm. And some people found themselves homeless because Mm -hmm. they couldn't connect. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people found themselves back at home and and families were struggling to try to figure out how to help. So do you, do, do you know why that took place? Um, um, yeah. Do you know why that the, the mm-hmm. state's just kind of just like, no? Nah. Well, it was actually a Department of um, Justice okay. decision to end just hospitalizations in the institution for any, anyone with an individual mm-hmm. mental health disorder. Okay. Um, and to then relocate those individuals into more community-based services. Mm-hmm. Um, now, hospitals still exist. Mm-hmm. Institutions still exist. Yeah. They're just not the first place to go to if you have someone that is in need for assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so by by making it more of a community-based service, mm-hmm. number one, um, you get more access to the service because it's here and it's right, it's right around your corner. That's we right. have them all over the place. You yeah, know? yeah. You're not calling a number and then you got to wait 15. driving to yeah, an institution to someplace. Out who to talk to, to after 30 minutes. It's easier to access it. Um, one of the pieces that I, I will say personally, I think that was missing mm-hmm. is um, community education yeah. about that process. Okay. Um, I think if, the the state and the um all different counties were more educated on what the process was going to look like mm-hmm. that individuals are going to transition to being in the yeah. in the communities we could have been better prepared as mm-hmm. communities um i think that there's a mindset that the state is still going to take care of this mm-hmm. uh, when the reality is local communities need to take a little bit more ownership yeah. And what's going on. Um, yeah. They are our citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, individuals that walk around Sumter County are Sumter County citizens. So Sumter County should be first at bat when yeah. it comes to um, figuring out ways to help these individuals. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's a bigger piece that was missing. Mm-hmm. There's a disconnect of basically trying to identify who's ultimately responsible yeah. for the help. Yeah. Yeah. So... So just to be clear, was 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 Middle Flint kind of uh, ready to take on the state's response, or was it more the state responded and Middle Flint came because there was the need that wasn't there was a gap there that they just well, needed to fill? And in, in making that decision to close the institutions, community service boards were created okay. out of that decision, and based on that, 
um, the DBHD, Department of Behavioral Health and Development Disabilities, were created gotcha. to oversee this process. Yeah, so helpful. all of it began yeah. with that decision. Yeah. So the positive part about that is it becomes more community-based than institutionally-based. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but some of the some of the fallout are there was some dispersions, you know, because people yes. were just waiting for that transition. And yes. maybe it took a little bit longer. Yes. Um, and so, you know, people were affected by that. But ultimately, the the positive of the community base is really mm-hmm. where it needed to be anyway. That's so, right. I agree. So that that's good. Um, so you talked about a little bit of kind of the earlier onset of certain things. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we, you know, when we're talking about mental illness. I mean, there's a, there's obviously a spectrum there. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we got to understand that there's spectrums. Uh, but when you mention indicators for people to come early, what, what would be some indicators that you would be, you would want people to recognize so that they would step into mm-hmm. something like middle Flint? Um, usually being self-aware and recognizing that you don't quite feel yourself um, or you've experienced a situational event that makes you not feel yourself or you need to some assistance working through. Um, or you have a family member that you know they've gone through something that they may, may need a little help to walk through that process. Um, keeping at the forefront of your mind, all treatment is an for eternity, mm-hmm. you know, um, situational events come and go. I um, mean, you may just need some assistance during processing that time. Um, but there's also um, being self-aware of you and being aware of those around you, mm-hmm. what's normal for them and what's not normal for them. Or here's a really simple way, asking the question, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Would you like to have some help with this? Is something going on you want some help with? Very simple. Because you're not always going to know. Yeah. And you have to ask. And sometimes just kind of sitting, trying to gauge and guess, mm-hmm. you may miss the mark. But just ask the question. Yeah. Um, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk about something? Would you like to talk to someone yeah. about something? Yeah. Have you noticed that, um, I mean, just again, whether it's because of uh, just like you said, just the cultural moment where it's still kind of taboo, you don't, you're not supposed to talk about certain mm-hmm. things, you're not supposed to engage in certain conversations, whether it's even a family uh, or a generational thing, like we don't talk about our issues. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that? And, and how do you encourage people to, to engage in it uh, yes. with some of those taboos? That is a real, um, there's a stigma attached to it. Um, I think what we're seeing now, though, in in, um, American culture is this push towards um, being self-aware, being open and honest about what's going on with with the individual or what's going on with you and seeking help Mm -hmm. as early as possible. Um, So with that going on, even in those different communities and cultures where there's still a a stigma attached to it, Mm -hmm. I see those walls falling away. Um, When you go to certain churches, you'll see them have a health and wellness ministry Mm -hmm. or a counseling ministry. Mm -hmm. That's not something I would have saw. Yeah. As a young girl growing up in Southwest Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, there's pastors or, or preachers assigned to the ministry of counseling, mm-hmm. um, things like that. There are school counselors yeah. that are, are more than just helping people graduate. Yeah. They're actually talking about how you're feeling, what's going on with you. There's a lot more of that, even at younger ages, where um, individuals feel much more comfortable 
um, talking about it. Actually, I heard this um, in a meeting recently. It's almost becoming trendy mm-hmm. to be in some level of treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, yeah. it's really kind of the stigma's falling down. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to go yeah. to that extreme either. Yeah, I was about you to know? say, yeah, you, you probably will see an increase of that too. And, yes. And and you have to really talk that out and yes. say, I understand. This is how you feel. These are the things that you see. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Is this mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, is this new to you? So I would assume right. there's a lot of questions uh, to filter out where there might be some people that say, hey, I don't need it. And you're like, actually, you do. Yes. Where other people are like, I need this. And you say, are you really sure? Yes. Or is this just something that in that cultural moment, as mm-hmm. you said? So, mm-hmm. um, so um, in addition to that, I, I, I think too that. I've noticed people becoming more vulnerable and speaking and sharing. Um, and I've been encouraged by even the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a kind of a, a Western saying uh, that's like, you know, you think, therefore you are. And I th- and, yeah. and the, the negative impact about that is, well, you, then, then your feelings or other parts about you don't matter. And the reality yes. is, is that you're a whole person. You're That's a holistic right. person. That's right. And so what you feel does matter too. Yes. Uh, and, but what you think matters, all this kind of stuff. And so we need to get back to that, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. that wholeness and having those conversations. Um, and we need to have it at all levels um, mm-hmm. because people have to process that. And if they don't, they're probably going to feel isolated. That's right. Um, and so have you noticed that as people are sharing about their, uh, their, their uh, mental illness that most of it, most of their lives, did they feel isolated or did they have to process that alone? Or um, what, I, what I've seen is people have felt that there was something wrong with them mm-hmm. or they felt that they were different and no one else would understand it. Um, I've seen a lot of that mm-hmm. over the years at working um, in this industry. Um, one of the things that I've seen in um, just new hires or employees is an eagerness to learn more mm-hmm. about the field. Mm-hmm. And usually that's rooted in their own personal experiences mm-hmm. when it comes with mental health issues. I recently had a new hire. One of the questions I always ask is, what brought you to Middle Flint? Um, and you hear all sorts of stories, but usually you'll find the one or two where they were seeking this kind of environment, that kind mm-hmm. of working environment. And um, I had an employee that indicated that she was looking for work in behavioral health because she had a sister mm-hmm. with, a, with a mental health diagnosis that she wanted to understand her better. Mm. So she yeah. wanted to learn more about disorders so that she can relate more with her own sister. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuck with me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, if we think about uh, just mental health, what are you already mentioned uh, a misconception where it kind of connects towards you know criminal activity, mm-hmm. vice versa, those types of things. What are some other misconceptions about mental health that you you have to process with people? Um, being in the Bible Belt, that they are sinners mm-hmm. because they have this mental health issue, or seeking help is a sin or a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably Growing up in church, that's the one I um, encounter the most. Yeah. Um, they don't want their church to find out, or because they're prominent in the church or really committed, they feel like they failed in some way because mm-hmm. they have this mental health issue. Um, 
that it's contagious. Mm-hmm. That um, being having a mental health issue, if you interact with someone with mental health issues, then you're going to have a, a mental health issue. It's going to spread to you or or you're going to, you know, catch it or something like that. Yeah. Um, hard to believe that people still think that way mm-hmm. in this day and age, but it's still there. Um, the bigger one that I've encountered is that it's fake. They're faking it. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get something for nothing or um, have some uh, obscure benefit from professing this mental illness that is all just a huge um, fake. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's, that is probably the one that is the most unnerving because yeah. um, yeah. it dismisses what yeah. the individual experiences. And I would assume like, you know, being on the internet, there are we call confirmation bias where, you know, there are many instances where people are not taking it seriously mm-hmm. and trying to benefit from it for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. whether they're trying to get likes on TikTok mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they're a court case, they're just trying to find a way out. That's right. And then your confirmation bias goes, see, look at all of these That's situations right. uh, where these people were just trying to use it to their advantage. That's right. Um, but on the day-to-day level, um, you filter those as well. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned before, it's like, yes, we we have people that may come in to do that, but the mm-hmm. people that we're serving and loving and That's Right. They're through the process. Um, they, if they are fake, they are really good at it because yeah, absolutely. Um, we have gone through this and we've been mm-hmm. very diligent to, mm-hmm. to make sure that they're getting the care that they actually need. Um, and so, um, well, even in the hiring and, and, and the firing process of your what you do, um, how do you help continue to um, encourage your employees and the people there to fight for? Um, the individuals here in these counties, 11 counties, that's a mm-hmm. lot. So yes. are you traveling a lot? Are you, mm-hmm. what, what does that look like for you? I am. I'm on the road a lot. I um, try to visit as many of my sites. We have 40 plus sites who provide services. So I try to visit them at, at, as regularly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, they're, they're spread out all over. I try to also visit different County commissions to just kind of keep them abreast of what we're doing um, for their county and in their county. Um, but with our employees, believe it or not, it's um, it's extremely easy mm-hmm. to um, get the employees that we have to commit to this work. Many of them come in it and they would rather do nothing else mm-hmm. because I can tell you this. One of the things that I do not have as a tool to keep them committed is money. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot of money to pay them. Um, usually their commitment is just coming from their own their own deep down desire to be good and do good yeah. for those in the community. Yeah. And I would assume that that work, again, is it's a grind because you guys mm-hmm. are, are meeting with people. And again, depending on where they're at in their story and their journey, uh, they're coming to you with frustrations. They're coming to you with their with, with some deep wounds, issues, traumas Absolutely. that you have to go to work and be engaged and be present and then come back and That's just right. try to go, you know, eat your Hot Pocket without mm-hmm. worrying about. Mm-hmm. You know all of these things that you have to go back to. So, mm-hmm. how do you continue to to care for uh, your employer? One of the things that I try to promote is self care. Um, to just recognize that 
you have to be okay to help anyone else be okay. Yeah. We always refer to when you're on an airline, the safety protocol is give yourself the oxygen mask first and then help those around you. Mm-hmm. So we try to keep that in the forefront of our mind that you have to be okay or you're not going to be okay for anyone else. And just kind of teach that mantra over and over again. Um, and also model it, yeah. you know, Model taking a day off, model spending time with your families, you know, model going when I go out to the different sites. Sometimes we I have dinner at some of the residential sites mm-hmm. and we may sit and never talk about work. Yeah. You know, it's just the individuals, it's the staff and I, and we just sit, we talk about our grandkids. We talk about what we're watching on television. Just have a moment where we're in, we're present and in place, but we're just kind of having a lighthearted time together. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. What do you see uh, in, at least in Sumter County, uh, and maybe the surrounding counties too, just as far as what 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 is the typical um, person that's coming in? Is it more of a long term, short term? Um, obviously, hopefully, like work related to kind of help them continue with what they're doing and mm-hmm. engaging in. Or is it is it kids? Is it adults? Kind oh, of wow. what is the what's the framework for? Um, Flint right now. I will say that our child and adolescent population is growing tremendously. Um, that's in part due to our program where we um, actually provide a lion's share of our CNA services in the school system. Okay. Um, that's where they're experiencing mental health and behavior mm-hmm. issues. So that's where we try to meet them and deal with that and help them process how to interact Is with that. Is that a new arm of kind of mental flint getting New-ish. into the schools? It's been around for a few years now. Okay. Um, we're expanding our presence in that, but it's really helping um, connecting children and their families to services. Um there is a huge, one of the things we talk about a lot is how some of the individuals that we're seeing are a lot sicker now than they were five, mm-hmm. seven years ago. Um, there's just a lot more, especially since COVID, as we come out of COVID. Yeah. Um, the heaviness of what's going on is there and is present. And so we end up with individuals that are much sicker. Um, that are need that need more help um, mm-hmm. are in need of more services such as residential services such as um, community-based case management services so yeah the, we see that that need I wouldn't say the number of individuals we're serving is growing per se but their need their is getting bigger yeah okay okay yeah and so you mentioned some of the services and and how you're engaging into the the community Um what and you already mentioned some too, but so how do you how do you kind of relax and disengage? Um, is it just you're modeling that? I mean, like I said, you mentioned a few things. What are some other things that you do to help you stay healthy? Um, I try to spend a lot of time with my family. Nothing can keep you as grounded as family can, you know. Yeah. Um, just um, taking a break. Um, away from, I read a lot. I still read a lot, so that's my getaway. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I may go on many vacations just yeah. to get away. Um, it's more, I find that reconnecting with my family really help me, helps me stay rooted yeah. in what's, what's really going on in my life and what's important to me. And also it helps me to just stay connected to just how blessed I am, mm. you know, um, 
that there's there's no there's nothing that makes me sit back and really recharge. It's just thinking back on how wonderful my life is and how blessed um, I am at this moment. And I, I like to share that, mm. that feeling, that gratitude with as many people as possible. Yeah, that's huge. I, um, you know, being in a, a, a kind of a, a very strong, busy work culture, mm. it's almost like every month you go from hero to zero and you just feel yes. like you're constantly starting over every month. Yes. Like, well, we got to meet the quotas. we got to hit the mm-hmm. numbers. we got to do this. And so, and and you get used to that culture of well, you know, it's hard to celebrate because there's always something else to do. Yes. Uh, but that that celebration is so important to it the is. work that you're doing. Yes. And and people need to experience that too. Mm-hmm. Like the people that that work for you, mm-hmm. they need to know that what they did is just as important as what they will be doing. Yes. And it's making an impact. Um, but if they just feel like, well, it's just okay, you know, just another day, just another day, yeah. and and it doesn't really matter what we do yes. because we got to do the next thing. So, yes. so would you would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I'm so glad you said that. That's a really big deal to me. Uh, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier. One of the things that I don't have a lot of to recognize my staff with is money. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll be surprised at just how impactful a little recognition. Yeah. Tiny recognition, how impactful that is in, in in ensuring that somebody comes back and try it again, comes back and do a little bit more. Um, so that is something that I implemented when I became CEO. I do something annually to recognize longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, we have staff at our organization that have been there 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Yeah. Um, I like to recognize that. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of organizations that can say someone stuck around this mm-hmm. long doing this hard work. Um, and I like to recognize that and, and showcase that. I like to, I, that's one of the reasons why I try to visit as many sites as possible. One of the um, sayings I like to say to them is, I see you. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. not in the shadows. Uh, what you're doing, the hard work, your commitment, I see it. Mm-hmm. I see you. I may not be able to give you anything more than that, yeah. but I'm going to acknowledge out loud that I see you. That's good. That's good. So you talked a little bit about family. You talked about having a, a son. Do you have uh, more children or yes. what's, what's your family life like now? So my husband and I have a blended family. Okay. I have one son. He has three daughters. Okay. Um, and we have 26, 21, 20. And thirteen, I think. Okay. Um, but and 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 one that's one of the. It's hard not to smile when you're talking about your kids. Um, whether if you're smiling because it was a painful smile or because you're genuinely happy, it's hard not to smile thinking about your kids. But I have. Um, like encountered the secret to true joy, mm-hmm. and that is being a grandparent. Okay. Uh, we have two grandkids, a granddaughter and a grandson. And I tell people all the time, parenthood is hard. And if there's a way to kind of jump that leap and mm-hmm. jump straight into being a grandparent, I'd advise anybody to take that because <laughs> it's wonderful. It is wonderful. That's great. That's great. I've, I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that my dad is a really great granddad uh, <laughs> to my kids. And so it's 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 a cool thing to see to allow oh, yes. them to experience It is so that. much fun. So, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Americus. Uh, again, you were born here. Um, how do you describe Americus to people that have never been here? Okay. Um, 
America's is genuine small town living. You know, um, you're not going to go to too many places and not actually come in eye contact with a person that know you on a first name basis. Yeah. It's very difficult to do that. Um, and everybody genuinely care on some level, you know, mm-hmm. about the well-being of the community. Um, we talked earlier about um, there are so many um, organizations and um, things out there to help. Because mm-hmm. I, I see that a lot in this community. We have mm-hmm. a lot of churches. There's all sorts of organizations and plans to to do more for the community. It's just that it's a, a little bit of a disconnect in getting it all organized and, and really being impactful for those in the community. But um, everyone genuinely cares about the future of America's um, yeah, yeah. and the future of this community, what it's going to look like. If you really want to know what America's is about, ask someone where they went to high school and what was the name of it. Mm-hmm. That is so important here, whether you went to the high school when it was called America's High, America's Sumter High, um, Sumter County Comprehensive, it's a big deal. Yeah, People are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, and they still hang on to what was the name of the school when they attended it. Yeah, um, Just really um, compassionate, mm-hmm. um, the sporting events in this area brings everybody out, whether mm-hmm. you got a child playing on a team or not. Yeah. It's just, it's all about support. Everyone supports the the, the community in whatever way they can. Um, yeah, that's huge. So that's what I would say, I would describe it. I would describe, I have a neighbor um, that if someone that she doesn't recognize has been to my house, I would know about it because she's mm-hmm. going to tell me about it because she knows I would want to know. It's just that kind of community yeah. where we're looking out for one another, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. What are some things uh, that have changed? So you, you left, right? Mm-hmm. Came back. Is there anything that's like some major changes in America's uh, that um, you've noticed? I think the biggest change that I saw in the in America's is the shift in industry. Okay. Um, as a young girl, it was a manufacturing type of town, different companies. A lot of people employed as some sort of manufacturing company. Um, not many of those exist now. Mm-hmm. So the industry shift um, is more towards education or healthcare, mm-hmm. um, and not a lot else. So yeah. that's probably one of the biggest things that I've noticed as a change is there was a time when there was jobs for anybody mm-hmm. it all over and that has really dwindled yeah. in the in the years. Yeah. So thinking towards the future of America's 5-10 years from now, what are some things that you would love to see for your city uh that uh would be healthy for its growth for thriving all mm-hmm. those things? Um, obviously more, um, opportunities for business. I think if we can identify Mm -hmm. an industry that fits where we are, um, that, that, that our technical college can, can stand with and really support and educate people on that could really grow and be successful here. Um, I don't, not sure if we've identified just what industry mm-hmm. would fit best in this community, but I think if we just got one really strong one, America's is not very big. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't take several different industries, but one really strong industry that as a town, we can kind of mark this as, this is what we do. This is our talent. This yeah. is our our niche. And then kind of 
kind of adopt that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I mean, there's, and we talked about a little bit on the phone, you just mentioned it about, there are so many people, um, and there's, there's, there's many organizations that are kind of vying for kind of the same pool of resources and people and grants. And so we kind of find ourselves like, okay, these, these individual groups are moving forward, Mm -hmm. but they're also stalling a little bit Mm -hmm. and they're stagnant because we can't get enough of the resources or volunteers because we're spreading ourselves out so a little thin. a little thin mm-hmm. so it's important again like you said to get these key things in place but also to be able to figure out how do you how do you communicate that yes we talked about you know there's several facebook page groups which again all of them are healthy and good mm-hmm. but which one i mean there's so many times where i'll see a uh, an event that took place like the la- the next day yes. and so we're like why didn't anybody show it up i'm like I didn't, I didn't even know it. about it. That's right. I didn't see it. And mm-hmm. I might not have been able to go, but mm-hmm. I didn't even know it existed. Right. And so I don't, somebody's posting it somewhere. So mm-hmm. just communication would mm-hmm. be obviously very helpful to do that. But it just takes, you know, um, a, just a collective effort to say, this is the page we're going to use. Yes. This is, th- these are the top tier things. So yes. if you can still have all of your organizations, just all of your organizations start vying for that one thing. Absolutely. That's <laughs> um, right. So yeah, tell um, share a little bit about that or just in, in agreement with that. Well, one of the things that I think that would be very helpful as a community, if we, um, number one, ask for feedback from the community. Mm-hmm. We do have a lot of different groups vying for what they think is the thing, is the key thing that the city needs. But they really need to get feedback from the city, from mm-hmm. the citizens here. What would we like to see? Um, you're absolutely right. You will see something, some sort of event that happened. So the first question is, who knew about it? And the second question will be, who did they ask to see if they even wanted to do that? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so there's yeah, yeah. not a lot of communication community-wide that is actually, the communication needs to come up. So the right things come down and out yeah. into the community. So there's not a, a really strong collection of information where we are actually engaging with citizens and saying, what do you want to see? Mm-hmm. Once we do that, we will definitely yeah. get more buy-in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I've I, I've seen some different events. I'm like, that sounds interesting, or I'd like to go to that. But there are questions of like, where did that come from? Who came up with that idea? And then, and then you're there, and like five people are there, and you're yeah. like, that's because they don't, people don't want that. That's you know? right. So we've got to be able to have that's that right. conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, great intentions, good work ethics, mm-hmm. all of those things, mm-hmm. uh, but just better understanding your people. Well, this is one of the reasons why the podcast I feel like is so important is because we're just, we're, we're talking to each other as neighbors yes. and saying, hey, what do we need? What does this look yes. like? How do we get there? Um, are we saying the same things? Are we excited about the same mm-hmm. things? Uh, and there's different components to it. You know, there's a there's a governmental component where the city yes. as a government needs to handle certain issues. Uh, local organizations need to handle other issues. The church needs to handle certain issues, That's right. right? That's right. Um, and then individuals, families need to take some ownership mm-hmm. of certain things. So mm-hmm. so it's, it is a collective effort. But yet at the same time, if we can just kind of see like, hey, where are we going from here? Do we want to mm-hmm. be, you know, do we want to be bigger numerically? Do we want to be a a, a manufacturing company? Uh, You know, again, what is it that we want to be so that we can all attach ourselves to that Mm -hmm. and kind of see that take place? So those things are really, really massive. Is there, 
Is there anything else or maybe just some things that, uh, as I mentioned before, some things that we just cannot stop doing as a community that is healthy, that is good, mm-hmm. that if we stopped doing it, we would we would not be in a good place either. So mm-hmm. anything that you've noticed? Um, one of the things I think that we have gotten a lot stronger in is supporting um, our education process in the community, supporting our school systems. Um that's not something that we can afford as in a community to ever stop, um, to really lean in when it comes to what our young people are being exposed to, what kind of support systems are in place mm-hmm. for our young people. They are the most important um, piece of this whole collective. So making sure that they have buy-in to what we're doing. But I think... Um, we're on track for the most part when it comes to our school systems and really supporting that. Everyone cares about what our schools are doing. Um, and I think people are getting more and more involved mm-hmm. in the decision-making about the school systems. Yeah, that's good. That's a really good thing. And I think, you know, when we talk about the future of Americas, we're, we're talking about things that we want to see, kind of the mm-hmm. fruits of those things. Um we also know, like you said, with with different organizations or at least different thoughts, we're also talking about competing value systems, yes. right? What what values are competing against one another to kind of mm-hmm. see that flourish? And so, if if a certain group of people value this, and then a certain people value that, we might just be con- continually cl- clashing. That's right. Uh, and we find ourselves kind of the same place in, in 10, 10 years from now. I know uh, Juanita Wilson when she was here, she kind of mentioned some of those things, and she was like, "Y'all." If, if, if we don't get a handle on this in 15 years from now, we might not even exist. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have to realize mm-hmm. that this is a very important season of, yes. of the city of Americas yes. where it can continue to grow and continue to, to mm-hmm. get to get to places or it will just compete against the wrong values yes. and, and it will be a ghost town or it will mm-hmm. be a place that um, is, it was beautiful and had so much opportunity mm-hmm. and we just don't want to miss out on that. That's so right. what are the... Could you think about some some good values, some competing values um, that we just need to be mindful of as a community? Yeah, I think that um, some, like I said, the good values we have are support of our school systems and and really thinking about um, and being very intentional about our young people. Um, but we have a small. Um, issue that seems to be growing, and that is the gun violence Mm -hmm. in the city. Um, I think that we're doing a lot of, um, there's lots of conversations about what's going on, what could be causing it, um, what is the root of it. And I think if, I think that is where we we sense a, there's a sense of division on agreeing what is the cause and, and how to best fix it. And while the division is taking place, the issue is growing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can definitely tell from different, again, different from different seats, what people would assume what mm-hmm. the core issues are and all those yeah. kind of things. And and some of them are, you know, we, we do know the importance of family and the family dynamic, yes. the support system for yes. people as they grow up. Mm-hmm. Do they have a support system? Do they mm-hmm. have a village? Do they have a family? That's right. Um, that's what we, when we describe some of those things uh, in, in, in our 
understanding of Christianity. We're like, well, that's the church. It's you, you mm-hmm. got a family dynamic who mm-hmm. the church is constantly investing into, loving them, making that's sure right. they understand who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they grow up in a community of people who is constantly reinforcing those same things. Um, and so trying to continue to do that and then stepping outside of that and going, okay, well, what are some other systems like the school system, things mm-hmm. like that, that we can mm-hmm. continue to work on to help develop? Um, but some of those things are still very core issues. People are still trying to deal with their identity, who who they are. Yes. Uh, what does that mean? That's right. Um, and so as far as on the church end, we talked a lot about church stuff is, you know, we're trying to help people understand the story of God and say, okay, well, who is God? What has he done? Yeah. Who does that make you? Mm-hmm. And then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so things like that are very, very key when we're talking yeah. about the the whole culture and the community of people uh, and how we need to engage in that. So uh, do you want to add it to any of that? or? Um, no, I think that yeah. is right on point. Um, I think that I think that as a community, sometimes we tend to tiptoe around that conversation mm-hmm. and including God in, in 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 the in the whole tier of who we are. Yes. Um, and when we do that, then there's a gaping hole mm-hmm. there in our in our in our identity. Yeah. So when you have a hole in the basis of your identity, then you cannot um, really reconcile who you are. Yeah. Without that, without that yeah. piece there, that's huge. That's huge. I I think even about you know the because that's that that's at a heart level. It's at a soul level. Mm-hmm. It's at a deeper level of you know I know how to behave sometimes, but that doesn't mean that I've changed. That's right. Right. And That's so, right. <laughs> um, and we even see that sometimes we talk about, you know, culturally, you know, um, uh, America's has experienced a lot of historic racism. And sometimes mm-hmm. what it looks like now is more like passive racism, where it's like, I really don't like act. you, yeah. but I know how to behave we around know how you. To act. That's right. But what the church is exposing is, hey, guys. This is a root issue there you that go. at a heart level, if we yes. don't change you, we can give you things to do, yes. but it won't change you. That's right. Um, and so, but the heart is, is that as you change, those things will take place. Will automatically take place. That's yeah. the fundamental piece that's mm-hmm. required for yes. real change. Yep. And when you're talking about change, not just how people behave and act, it's how we interconnect. Yeah. Being able to change that. Yes, yeah, that's good. And I think, I think too, I've, I've listened to someone this week that talked about how sometimes we want to take the principles uh, of Jesus or, or of, of the Word without the person. That's right. And when we do that, mm-hmm. it takes away the power of it. Yes. So it's like, really yeah, good. we want to do these things. Yeah. We want to be a great community. We want to do these things. Mm-hmm. But if you take the person, you take the power out mm-hmm. of it. And so now it's just tools without any power. That's right. Um, and we can kind of shape it up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put some leaves on the fake tree. Mm-hmm. But eventually that fruit, it's not real. As, as you right. get closer and closer to it, it needs to have its base. It needs mm-hmm. to have its foundation. Mm-hmm. And so I think even when we're talking about, again, just mental, even mental illness and helping people to process process, mm-hmm. man, like you were created, God's created you in a very specific way, a very unique way. Mm-hmm. Let's continue to tell this story that dominates the rest of the stories yes. in all of your life um, and see how we can be a part of that in this small way. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, we need to continue to, to, to fight for, yes, we want to talk about the fruits of things that could take place, but we also have to talk about some root stuff. And hopefully, you know, within the city, we continue to fight for um, the story uh, that's been given to us by mm-hmm. God too mm-hmm. through His Word, so that we can see people really be not just 
behaviorally change, but at a heart level, get to wrestle with some of those yes. things. And that it's, it's, it's a very hard road. It's a hard road for me, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I take a lot of personality tests. I take a lot of things. <laughs> I just want to know more about, I love it. You know, I try to, somebody always tells me, oh, there's a new test out there, you know, a temperament test or a, a work test. And so I've taken like the disc assessment. I've taken like the new thing is like the six working geniuses. So I took that test, you know, Enneagram, you know, I take all these tests because I'm just like, man, I'm just so interested on mm-hmm. how God created me. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important. And then when I need it, I go to counseling because I'm just like, okay, I'm Absolutely. running into some walls. It doesn't have to be, the the the, the house doesn't have to be falling down That's to go right. to counseling. That's right. So, and I know that you would agree with that is we need to get, we need to get quicker to community and accountability, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not wait till it's all like, you don't need to be stepping into a counseling or mental illness going, Hey guys, listen, um, Tomorrow, I'm stepping away from everything. That's that's, right. that's almost a point where you're too late. That's right. So can you share just well, a little bit about and, that? Well, you know, if you take that, and I, I use this analogy when I describe with my family or with friends, um, I'm a diabetic. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I've been a diabetic for over a decade. I, um, When you're trying to deal with that issue mm-hmm. medically, you don't wait until your leg is being amputated. Come on. To then say, oh, wait a minute, I need treatment for this. I have an issue. It is too late. Mm -hmm. They are just going to be able to patch you up and maybe make you comfortable. Yeah. But if you're trying to do anything preventative before the bad damage happens, I have to go and get tested Mm -hmm. regularly. I may feel okay. Yeah. But you go and get your regular test to get things checked out to make sure you're still okay. So that when there's an inkling of something not right. Yes. Something can be done at that point and it can be rectified or reversed. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I would also encourage people to don't find yourself self-diagnosing. Like go to someone, go to someone. who is is working through this and mm-hmm. is really there for you. Uh and 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 try to get as clear as you can. Mm-hmm. Ask the answer the questions. Don't like again, don't don't try to force anything on yourself. Just mm-hmm. ask really and answer mm-hmm. really good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's part of mental, uh, you know, mental Flint is, hey, you know, don't feel like you've got to do that. That's yes. one of the reasons why we want to be here to help and to process some of those things with mm-hmm. you so you don't have to do it alone. Um, so you would agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, um, the more transparent that you can be, um, the better your treatment is going to be, the more effective it's going to be with yes. the transparency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I see it on Facebook all the time. Someone's like, we'll show a picture of something and be like, what do I need to do? And most people are like, go to the doctor. doctor. Don't yeah. ask Facebook. You know, so, uh, I mean, it's really cool that we have so much resources now, but it's also really, really important to get um, someone the right there with you help. that has That's done right. the work um, mm-hmm. and help you to, to walk through that process. So, okay, well, Angela, thank you so much. I want to kind of... Get, kind of work through what we call our rapid fire questions. Okay. Get a chance to get to know you just a little bit more. Okay. Uh, so you're an avid book reader. So um, I'd love, I'm going to ask you two questions. Uh, one is what's your kind of your top one or, or three favorite books. Mm-hmm. And then what's a book that you're currently reading right now. So. Okay. Um, as I said, Gone with the Wind was my top one. It's my most memorable book um, as a child. Um that's the one, only one that stands out to me. I okay. have so many books that I love, but what I'm reading right now is a book called Just Mercy. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you? Are do you also do like book series, or are you just like in the one, like one and done? 
Um, it depends on the series. Mm-hmm. I spent a period of life, my life reading Stephen King books. So okay. I read everything um, that he wrote. And then I kind of scared myself. So <laughs> then I started reading different types of books. I, I have a period sometimes where I, I want to get into self-help books and I, mm-hmm. I read all of that. So sometimes it depends yeah. on the author or the subject. Yeah, that's good. All right. So you've traveled a little bit. Is there a place that you would really, really love to go if you could? The Azores. The where? The Azores. Okay. Now, yes. why there? It is, number one, it's just a cool word to say, the yeah. Azores, <laughs> but yeah. it is a beautiful island. Um, just, I, I, I'll stop there briefly, um, flying from England to Kuwait, and it was just beautiful. It was wow. just beautiful. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, what is your, what is a, a favorite item that you bought for yourself this year or for someone else? I bought myself a, a really expensive purse. Nice. <laughs> okay. I love it so much I won't even carry it. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It now was this something that you saw maybe months or years ago? Yes. And you're just like, I've when I yes. when I can. Okay. When I can, I'm okay. gonna get that. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Did you go in the store? Did you I get did. it online? Okay, yeah. I went you in wanted the to be store. The, wanted I wanted to... to touch it and do the whole experience of having it packaged up for me. Yes. That's right. Begin <laughs> to point out that and say, Today you're coming, you're coming home. Yes. That's right. I I remember when I bought my first wallet, I paid <laughs> with it, with the money that I had. And so I didn't have any money to put in, in it. it <laughs> so, no, that's great. That's wonderful. All right. Um, what Do you have a, a favorite song that you're listening to right now or, or a music genre that you really enjoy? Um, I really enjoy um, the message radio. Um some of the Christian rock radio is mm-hmm. really soothing, yeah. um, a really good, nice worship experience. So I listen to that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of or listened to any like Maverick City Church? Or Absolutely. Anything? Oh my Absolutely. So good. So good. I heard I heard them a few years ago, and uh, I can't remember what which one it was, but it's they're really good. Uh, I would I really love to see them their, in concert. They are awesome. Yeah, they do a really good job. Really good mix uh, of even different cultures just coming in Absolutely. and being able to. Yes. Like wow, like That's what I love we've been about waiting it. for something like this. Absolutely. So I'm hoping that other other people come around and start building mm-hmm. off of that as well. Because mm-hmm. um, it would be really cool to see so much of our cultures just engaging musically together so that we can create something really, really wonderful. It's beautiful watching the different cultures come together in worship. Yeah. That is so powerful yeah. to me. It really That's is. That's what I love about Maverick City. I remember one time I went to a, a church planting uh, conference where, I mean, there were several churches from all over the world. And there were moments where you heard a song, maybe in a language that you didn't know, mm-hmm. or a song that you had never heard before, and you kind of felt uncomfortable because you didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the leaders came up, one of the pastors came up and said, hey, guys, part of learning what it means to be a part of a global church is feeling uncomfortable sometimes because mm-hmm. when you feel uncomfortable, just know there's someone else that feels really comfortable right now. Mm-hmm. That's right. And like you're serving them yeah. by doing that. So it's yeah. a really cool thing to be like, well, this is, you know, I'm still learning, but that means someone else is really, really enjoying this yes. right now. Yes. And they might not enjoy the thing that I just sang with, you know. <laughs> so that that's really cool. Okay. Um, what what are some favorite restaurants that you enjoy going to? Um, I really like seafood. I would say right now, probably what I would, the one restaurant that I love the most is the Greek Village in okay. Savannah on nice. River Street. 
Okay. Okay. I need to go there. Yes. I've been to Savannah maybe once or twice. It's a really cool little area. I know that. Oh, yeah. It's like my favorite place to go in Georgia. But I keep remembering that the drive there is just, there's like nothing Nothing, for like four hours. Nothing. What's going on? Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) So it's like, do I want to deal with nothing before? Um, A good radio station helps with that. (laughs) That is very true. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, What occupation uh, would you like to try or that you would have loved to be able to, to do as well? I I think it's based on because of this book I'm reading, but I would have loved to be a civil rights attorney. Oh wow! Um, yeah, or an, an attorney for individuals on death row mm-hmm. um, to work through their appeals processes and things of that nature. It is just a true mission of love and. Yeah. Um, Talk about stepping into an environment where um, you really don't know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You're really fighting a lot of different things, but that person is depending on you for you know yeah. to work as hard as you can for them. And yeah, wow, that's something I would have loved to do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, if you could be an expert in anything new that would help you right now, what would it be? I think if I could be an expert in something right now, it would be um, something IT or AI based Yeah. Um, so that I can kind of, um, I have this notion that somehow it will make so- something that I'm doing a little easier for me. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Well, Angela, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing a little bit of your story, getting to know you a little bit more. Um, I've I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, so hopefully, you know, um, Americus will continue to thrive, continue to yes. to work together, yes. um, and and those competing values will be uh, more synchronized uh, to larger values that will help us get to where we need to go, so that we can even do maybe some sub values later on like yeah. let's just keep going yes. what we're doing um, so yeah thank you so much for what you're doing at middle flint thank you for ser- serving this community uh, and the rest of the communities around us 21 years it's, it's amazing thank you again for serving our country um, your, your story is very powerful so thank you for, for coming on thank you thank you so much for having me this is an awesome experience thank you awesome all right that's it really yeah. wow <laughs> you did great thank you yeah. That was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Uh, We really appreciate it.